This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. What does the future of healthcare look like with the ever-growing world of artificial intelligence? Sometimes we talk like, oh, you know, are, are we going to have robot doctors or robot nurses? Well, today we're going to talk about maybe, well, will there be doctors? Will it change? Um, will we just walk into a, a personless uh, place where we can just go in and know everything about our health? Uh, so we're going to talk about that some more and, uh, you, you know, what it means if, if we turn healthcare from a service to a product. I'm extremely excited for today's episode, uh, probably a company that many of you know and many of you probably use. So uh, extremely excited for that. But before we get started, as a reminder, if you're joining us from the podcast, thank you. Check your show notes and uh, we always have more information on today's episode. We always recap every single interview in our newsletter, so make sure you sign up for that. And our website is like a free generative AI university. We have interviews with experts, more than 210, I think now, uh, as well as you can go back and read every single newsletter we've ever written. So if you want to know more about AI and healthcare, as an example, check out the show notes. We have even more uh, experts that we've talked to aside from today. All right, before we get into that, let's first go over the AI news as we do. So uh, first, Google has paused its Gemini AI image generation features due to some historical inaccuracies. So Google just announced the pause of its Gemini AI image generation features due to inaccuracies in, histor in historical pictures where it is depicting figures such as the U.S. founding fathers as people of color. So users on social media raise concerns about the AI's tool's ability to generate images accurately, leading Google to acknowledge the issue and promise improvements. So the Gemini image generator tool is called Imagine, and it was launched in February through Gemini, formerly called Bard. And it has faced some challenges amid Google's growing competition with OpenAI. Also, in other small Google news, uh, workspace accounts finally have access to Google Gemini's uh, new 1.0 uh, Ultra model uh, that was only kind of for uh, enterprise accounts or personal Gmails. So uh, if, if your company does use uh, Google Workspace, check, you may have access just as of this morning. All right, next, uh, NVIDIA reported its impressive quarter four earnings uh, and its stock is rising accordingly. So NVIDIA announced revenue for the fiscal fourth quarter and it said it reached $22 billion, making a remarkable 260% year-on-year increase. So the company's net income surged by an impressive 769%, showcasing its significant growth in the AI sector. So NVIDIA forecasts that its revenue in the current quarter will hit $24 billion, billion, surpassing estimates and indicating continued strong growth. And following this positive outlook, several analysts upgraded NVIDIA's stock with JP Morgan as an example, raising its price target to 850 and Bank of America Global Research raising it to 925. And hey, as a reminder, when I was screaming up about NVIDIA a year ago, uh, I think it was somewhere in the 300s. And I said, it's the most important company in the world that no one's talking about. Well, now everyone's talking about it. All right, next piece of AI news, AI researchers are warning of increased dangers of deep fakes. So an open letter signed by AI researchers highlight the dangers of deepfakes and urges the governments to intervene along the deepfake, what they're calling the supply chain. 
uh, supply chain. So more than 800 notable AI researchers signed the letter, and the letter calls for criminalizing deepfake child pornography, penalizing the creation and distribution of harmful deepfakes, and uh, causing uh, forcing software developers to safeguard against such content. So deepfake production surged 550% from 2019 to 2023, with uh, deepfake pornography constituting 98% of online deepfake videos, predominantly targeting women. All right. Last but not least, small one, ChatGPT is no longer going berserk. In case you were wondering, users were reporting for the last couple of days some strange multilingual gibberish responses, uh, but OpenAI's page is back up and running and says that everything, all systems are go. So, you know, if you ask uh, ChatGPT for a blog outline today on the history of machine learning, as an example, you should get exactly that and not something like all work and no play makes Josh a dull boy, right? So uh, check it out. Should be better by now. All right. So let's get into it. I'm very excited today to talk about the intersection of AI and healthcare. A lot of news today. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, I'm very excited to welcome today's guest, Adrian Awun, the founder and CEO of Forward. Adrian, thank you for joining the show. Not at all. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here, man. All right. Hey, so if people don't know Forward, if you've been living under a cave, uh, just, just Adrian, real quick, tell us uh, about what Forward is. You uh, founded the company. So yeah, give everyone a high level overview of what Forward does in the healthcare space. Well, like everyone, I started with the, you know, I'm not thinking about healthcare. I'm not going through my life thinking about going to the doctor. That's not the most interesting thing. But then one day my, uh, my older brother had a heart attack and I just watched every single thing he went through. And my background's in AI. I ran a bunch of AI efforts at Google. And so just picture my experience, right? Like on a Monday, I'm like at Google trying to solve AI. On a Tuesday, I'm in my brother's exam room. And I swear to God, there's like a doctor standing over him with post-it notes. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, guys, where's all the AI? Like, how did we end up in this world where this is the epitome of healthcare? And honestly, you quickly realize healthcare is just kind of a pile of crap. What's worse is it's not even an evenly distributed pile of crap. There's about 8 billion people on the planet. Less than 2 billion of them have access to anything you and I would call like a real form of care. So I'm sitting here as an engineer and I'm like, this makes no sense. We can get smartphones to the whole damn planet. We can't get basic healthcare there. And so I asked myself one simple question and I said, well, maybe we're doing healthcare all wrong. See, when you peel back layers of the onion, one of the things you quickly realize is healthcare is basically doctors and nurses. Now, I love doctors and nurses, but let's be real. You're never going to scale them to the whole planet. You're, you're, You're never, you know, they're too expensive. There's not enough of them. So what I said is, well, maybe instead of building healthcare as a service, we should rebuild it as a product. In other words, what would happen if you took every single thing that doctors and nurses are doing and just tried to migrate it over to hardware and software? Because if you can, oh my God, you can scale healthcare up to the whole planet, apply all the AI you want. Ideally, we're all democratizing healthcare for the first time. Ideally, we're all living a hell of a lot longer than we do. So that's what we started with. And what we've done over the last few years is we've created a healthcare system live in about 25 cities all across the country. We started with uh, what we almost think of as our Model S, a very high-tech clinic where you can come in and you can do everything from the body scanning to genetic sequencing to, uh, to drawing your blood and getting all your biomarkers to skin scanning, you name it. We get all that data and we use a bunch of algorithms to basically help us figure out what is the best treatment path forward. But now what we're doing, this is, we, we recently launched our, our, what we think of as our model three. This is called the forward care pod. This is an entirely AI driven, like LLM based doc 
doctor's office. It's a pod that you woke, you walk into. And again, we do everything from drawing your blood to sequencing your DNA to body scans, to skin scans, to you name it. We have all this technology in there to learn as much as we can about you. Say, these are the things that are going to cause you problems in the future. Let's start preventing them now. So much to unpack there. My gosh, I, I, I have like 50 follow-up questions. So, so Adrian, like, uh, I love what you talked about, you know, because your your background in, uh, you know, if, if you're listening, uh, he's being very modest, right? So uh, Adrian is very well known uh, in the space. Uh, you were you were essentially Larry Page's right hand man at Google when it came to AI, correct? Yeah. In fact, I ran special projects for Google. So I was Larry's right hand man for a few years. And this was kind of the creation of Alphabet bad, a bunch of the alphabet companies. So what we looked at is how can we take AI, like I started in the, in the building the AI division at Google, but then we looked, we spent a few years saying, how can we take AI and apply it to any industry from self-driving cars to rockets in space to literally building cities from scratch? And it turns out that AI is kind of, kind of the, the knife that can be applied to almost any problem, right? And so, so I'm curious. So when you're having, you know, uh, I guess, unfortunately, some great innovations come at times when things are hard, right? So uh, you're, you're seeing your brother here in the hospital um, and you're seeing, you know, archaic, uh, you know, systems of healthcare, which I think is still uh, oftentimes true today. What, what, what year was this that, that, that you came to this, this revelation of like, we need uh, some artificial intelligence in healthcare? Yeah, it's about 10 years ago. But you know what? I always kind of had that that insight a little just sitting in the back of my mind. I mean, think about it, right? Let's pretend the person you love most in the world, right? Whatever, your your sister, wife, you know, girlfriend, brother, whatever it happens to be. They um they walk up to you and they're like, you know, I didn't go to the doctor this year. I didn't get my checkup. Do you look and go, oh my God, poor Julie. Oh my God, she's gonna die. No, you kind of just say, hey, you really should go occasionally, right? So what have you naturally iterated to? You naturally understand that like going to the doctor is not actually a life or death thing. It's not going to like all of a sudden make you drop dead or or it's also on the other side not going to make you live 25 years longer. And so what, what we've done is we've kind of created a healthcare system that if we're going to be totally honest with ourselves basically does fuck all, right? It really just doesn't do that much. And for me, this is kind of disappointing. When I look back in history, as far back as like human knowledge goes back to the bronze era, right? 5,500 years ago. And instead of thinking about healthcare, let's think about transportation. I mean, 5,500 years ago, transportation was I walked on my own damn two feet. I could walk five miles a day. Thousand years later, we, you know, we invented sandals. Now I got to 10 miles. A thousand years later, we tamed horses. Now I got to 50, 100 miles. But look at what we did in the last 200 years. We invented boats. We invented cars. We invented trains, planes. Then we have NASA saying, I'm going all the way to the moon, 125,000 miles away. And then we have Elon saying, no, screw this. Hold my beer. I'm going to Mars, 125 million miles away. So we went from five miles to 125 million miles away. But now instead, let's look at life expectancy, right? Life expectancy 5,500 years ago was what? Well, it turns out, like, I'll give you the bad news. If you were born 5,500 years ago, you had a 15 to 20% probability of death right at uh, right in infancy. Okay, that's not good. But that also means you had a 75 to 80% probability of survival. And if you did live, turns out the average age was about 42 What's the average age today? Well, it turns out it's about 72. So what do you mean? One of these went 25 million X. The other one couldn't even double in 5,500 years. Like what the hell? Where's my rockets? Where's my, where's my 25 million X? And so what I started by asking myself is like, what would it take for us 
to actually change life on this planet, not by a year or two, but by an order of magnitude. And what you realize is the entire system that we have today wasn't built for that. We're not collecting the data. We're not analyzing the data anywhere near to the degrees of amount of data or amount of iterations that we should be. And this is the opportunity that technology finally has to change healthcare once and for all. Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realize that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. So, Adrian, I don't want to ask a leading question, but uh, how broken is the U.S. healthcare system, right? Like, we have listeners from all over the world, but the majority of, of people are here in the U.S. Um, how broken is the U.S. healthcare system? And is AI going to be one of uh, the best fixes for it, in, in at least in the short-term future? It's broken because of exactly what all of us know, which is like the healthcare system doesn't actually work for us, right? So it's like we did this really kind of this, what sounded brilliant at the time sort of thing, you know, which is after World War II, I got to go, I got to go all the way back to give the history. After World War II, you know, it turns out a lot of people died in the war. We are, our kind of workforces in the United States were fairly depleted. We just didn't have workers. So what did every company do? Well, they just started saying, let's, Let's go ahead and like increase salaries, increase salaries, increase salaries. And the government saw this was like, holy shit, this is really bad. Salaries are going wild. So we put a salary cap in the entire country, right? Then obviously every single, you know, like founder and CEO of a company sitting there going, well, I still got to give you something to get you to come here. So you know what they did? They started giving benefits. They were like, we'll give you some health care. 10 years, 20 years later, government's going, wait a minute, this seems kind of nice. We've got a bunch of citizens with health care benefits. Maybe we should turn this into a law. And now all of a sudden it is literally required by law to uh, for companies to give health care. This all sounds great. Every single one of these actions, very well intentioned. But what does this mean today? Well, it turns out it means employers are paying for your health care. But there's one key problem. The average tenure of an employee with their employer, about two, maybe three years in the United States. I think a great comment here from Dr. Harvey Castro. So, uh, you know, he's saying doctor plus AI is maybe greater than just a doctor or just AI. I'd love to hear your take on this because yeah. it, it seems like a lot of where forward is moving is, you know, but it's it, it's like what you said at the top of the show. It's like, hey, you love doctors, you love nurses, but I mean, is the future, do we still need the same number? Do we still need them like at all? You know, even going to a care pod system, presumably there's, there's no human in there. So, I mean, what's your thought on just the human element in healthcare moving forward? 
So I strongly, strongly agree with Harvey that at the end of the day, you want to throw everything that you can and the kitchen sink at this problem, right? And so anybody who's a purist, no, you should just have doctors, you're crazy. Anybody who's, you should just have AI, you're crazy. What you really want is the combination thereof. But the trick is that the role of the doctor is going to change. See, today, doctors are practicing medicine, right? They see a person one at a time. Well, let me just give you, give you an analogy. When I was at Google, uh, you know, I ran a chunk of the search engine, right? And so I would sit down and if I literally wrote some code, I could send it out to 4 billion people later that day. When a doctor sits down, they affect one person in front of them. Like, why? Why can I affect four billion? They can affect one. Is it because I'm smarter than the doctor? No. Because I went to more school? No, quite the opposite. Oh, it must be because I'm more altruistic. No, again, the opposite. So you know what it is? It's that when I sit down to work, my tools are amazing. I sit down at this thing called a laptop, which is like the sum culmination of all human advancement in this two pound device right in front of me. When doctors sit down to work, we gave them this piece of shit called Epic that was built, you know, 40 years ago and is mostly a billing tool, right? It's like, so what we need to do is we need to give doctors the tools to fix the problems once and for all, not see the flu two billion damn times. Like how absurd is it? That if you get the flu, you literally go to the doctor. Like, we really haven't productized even that. Like, this is just insane. And so what we're trying to do is we want more doctors having more impact. I think the world will only be better if we have more doctors, but we give them very good tools. And, and hey, just as a reminder for those of you joining us live, great time to get your question in now while we have uh, Adrian on the Everyday AI show. It's not every day you can, you can ask uh, questions uh, from the CEO of, of a company that's really shaping uh, the future of healthcare. You know, one, one question I have, Adrian, that I'm sure is on a lot of people's minds is, is AI means a lot more data, right? It, it technically means maybe a little less privacy. At least that's what I think, right? So uh, if, if, if I go into a forward location, uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's, it's well, I kind of know it's it's cameras, it's scanners, it's it's everything. It's so much data, which, hey, I personally love. Hey, healthcare, take all my data, take all my pictures, right? But not everyone feels the same way. Maybe they feel like, oh, if, if I go into an old school, you know, doctor's office with post-it notes, you know, my data or, you know, you know I'm, I'm more secure. What's what's your take on on that? Like, is there... Uh, should the average consumer be be worried about you know their their health data and their privacy when we talk about infusing AI everywhere? Everything in life is about trade offs. I'm just picturing like whatever 150 years ago, somebody came around. You're like living on the farm. Somebody comes around and they're like, you know what? I'm gonna paint a number on your house. And you're like, what is that number? And it's like it's a street address. And you're like, what's a street address? It's so people can find you. And you're like, wait, I don't like this. That's invading my privacy. And then yeah, I don't know, 20 years later, somebody comes around and they're like, here's a phone number, and I'm gonna create this thing called the phone book where everybody can find you. And everyone's like, wait, wait, wait I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't want people to be able to call me, right? And yeah, we're giving up privacy every single day, but what are we getting for it, right? Well, it turns out now people can come visit your house. Now people can call you, right? And in this, what we're talking about is the ultimate freedom, right? It's like, give up some privacy. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Nobody's, nobody's forcing you into this. But let's talk about what you do get if you're willing to give up a little of that privacy. And the reality is you might get to live twice as long on this planet. Now, what I see is my friends on Facebook giving up their privacy so that they can like tag a check-in at, you know, at McDonald's. Like, so at the end of the day, I think like giving up your privacy for living twice as long might actually be a very good thing. But now let me give you one other thing to think about. We're all very, very, very nervous about our healthcare data, particularly in this country more than others. But let me tell you, 
Is there other hackers out there that give a shit about your rash? No, they do not care about your cholesterol. They don't care about your rash. Hackers care about your money, okay? They're breaking into your bank account. Nobody's sitting around going, you know, if only I knew that Jordan, I don't know, his, his creatinine level was too high. Like, no one cares. You're not that interesting, I promise, right? So I do, I a, I do a rash on, on, on my arm that you were just talking about. So maybe, maybe, and, hey, and, and you maybe go, you've already got the all the data. Yeah, I would. I, I think we're focused on the wrong things. We need to focus on, on how we can live longer, healthier, happy lives, not focused on how we can, like, I don't know, care about privacy for something that, frankly, isn't the most important thing. Is healthcare in general, maybe is it ingrained in us that it's just way too reactive, right? Like Cecilia here with a great comment saying that she loves the concept of thinking forward for healthcare, the saying an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is, is, is just our, even as, as, as the consumers, right? Consumers, quote unquote, as patients, as human beings, do we just have the wrong viewpoint of healthcare is that everything is reactive and we never really do anything proactively for our health. Is that a big problem? Yeah, you know what's really funny? So in the world of healthcare, they keep saying, yeah, but you know what? Consumers don't want that. In fact, every healthcare system has an entire team called the compliance team. And I always love this. What's the compliance team? It's the like, we told you to do something and you didn't do it. Like we told you to take your meds and you didn't take your meds. Can you imagine if like Instagram had a compliance team? We launched a new app and no one's using it. We should go scold them. It's like, no, you built a shitty app, right? Well, it turns out like we as consumers, we love prevention. You don't believe me? Look at how many people are wearing their Apple Watches, Fitbits, Nike, you know, buying Nike, Lululemon. For crying out loud, every person I know comes up to me and they're like, Adrian, you got to use like method soap because you know what? Like that's going to prevent cancer or drink your organic smoothie. It's like, really? Because we believe smoothies are going to prevent cancer. This is what we've iterated to. But like what you realize is we love prevention, but on the other hand, the product that we've been given from the healthcare system is basically a pile of crap and nobody believes it. And so I think what we need to do is we need to build better products, not sit here and scold people for not caring about the crap that we're giving them in healthcare today. Uh, hey, in, in full disclosure, I'm, I'm with Monica here. Just take all of my data. I agree. I want better ads online. I Hey, healthcare, everyone, take all my data. Uh, so a, a, good, a good point here. Uh, that I saw in the comments um, asking, how is forward changing the collection of data when it comes to healthcare? What's, I mean, what's your viewpoint on that? Like, do you need every single data point? Like, are we not right now? Are we not taking nearly enough data for more preventative, uh, you know, healthcare? What's your take on that, Adrian? So before we think about healthcare, let's just look at what's happened in, la in the last like decade and a half when it comes to the mobile computing revolution, right? Like 15 years ago, none of us had phones in our pockets. That wasn't even a concept. And then Apple comes out with this little thing called the iPhone and holy shit, overnight the world of mobile computing takes up. It literally was just like wild exponential curve. Now ask yourself why, what happened? Well, what happened was a little 22 year old at Stanford named Kevin Systrom just has this idea of like this thing called Instagram. 12 hours later, it's literally live to the entire world. But there's something really important here, which was there was Instagram, but there were also about a hundred other photo sharing apps. So you can almost think of the mobile computing revolution as what it allowed is it allowed us to try hundreds and hundreds of ideas and see what won overnight. So what Forward is doing is we are building a platform that lets us iterate and innovate faster than anybody. You have an idea, you can literally write some code and ship it out to all of our members literally two hours later, right? 
And if we if we get this world going, if we open this up so that everybody, all these people listening today, all of them have ideas. Well, I wonder if we could do mental health a little better this way. I wonder if I can lose weight a little better this way. I wonder if I can prevent cancer a little better this way. You have some people on behavioral, some people on genetics, everybody, if we can get them all working on one platform, then we could create a rate of innovation that starts to go exponential. This is what you saw in transportation. Remember what I told you, it was flat for almost 5,000 years. Just in 200 years, it went wild, right? This is what we've seen in mobile computing. Now you have to ask yourself the same question. Can we create this in the world of healthcare? Basically ask yourself this, what would it look like to have the world's largest clinical trials platform? What would it look like for all of us to be contributing to the learning of healthcare every single day with every action that we do. If we can get there, all of a sudden you're going to see us start to bend the curve of life. Hey, I'm, I'm excited for us to get there. If I'm being honest, the, uh, something I hate about the healthcare system is, is having to wait. You know, it's like sometimes seeing, uh, the, the cardiologist is like getting, you know, Taylor Swift tickets. It's like, you feel so lucky, but it's, you know, six months away. Um, Adrian, maybe before we land this plane, I'm hoping we can do a little, little rapid fire here, have a couple of questions, uh, trying to get to them. So, uh, from another one from Cecilia asking, um, how is Ford working to ensure that we eliminate the healthcare disparities that exist for women and people of color by asking these forward thinking questions when the base of knowledge does not include information based on their characteristics? So Cecilia is asking a really, really important question. And it's one that I get often. And honestly, I spent a lot of time thinking about. But before you even think about the disparities, because you're saying, well, you know, women have worse health care than men and, you know, people of color have worse health care than people, uh, people who are maybe Caucasian. I totally agree. But I want to go even a step further and be like, we all have crap. We literally all have junk. So rather than focus on the disparities, let's start by just saying, can we make it good? If we can make it good, if we can get to a world where we're all living to 500 or 1,000 years old and we don't have, we're not all walking around with bad backs and cancer waiting to like take us out, if we can get to that world, then let's start focusing on these disparities because I think the things that unite us and the things that are common between us are far greater than the things that are different between us. And if we can get to a world where I'm living to a 500, I promise you, you're going to be living to 500. Or you know what? If it's 498, then we should go work on that problem then. But right now, I am much, much, much earlier than even this. I'm at a point of I think we all have crap. Raise, raise it for everyone. All right. Uh, we're going fastball to softball here. So Nisha asking, where and how do you access these forward clinics? So we're live in most major cities in the United States with our clinics. Um, and so you can look it up, goforward.com. You can find them. And we're just starting to roll out our care pods right now. That's our kind of our new product. They're, uh, they're live in the West Coast. They're kind of coming across all, all across the country. So stay tuned. You can sign up at our website and we'll kind of keep you posted. All right. Another good one here from Juan. Do you see Ford accepting insurance in the future or does it already? Dear God, please no. Uh, like really anything, like you can ask me to do many, many, many things, Juan, please don't make me take insurance. Here's the deal. I want for it to be cheap. I want for it to be accessible. I want for it to roughly be $0. But the way we're going to do that is the same way you've seen every single piece of technology do this, right? The first iPhone was 800 bucks. Now in the middle of India, we can buy a smartphone for 20 bucks. What did we do? Did we accept insurance? No. What we did is we use this thing called Moore's law. It means the technology decreases in cost logarithmically. So give us time. We started at 149 a month. Now we're down to 99 bucks a month. That's just in a few years. Give me a few more years. We'll be at 49, then 29, then nine. We'll get there, but let's not do it with the broken insurance system at our backs. 
Man, hey, speaking of shrinking things, so you go from uh, you know locations to CarePod to Terrace asking, can I just get this in my home? Is that something that's in the future? Absolutely, and not at all. So let me kind of explain. Most <laughs> technology develops as a hub and spoke sort of model, right? We had servers, servers allowed us to build desktops, desktops allowed us to build laptops and phones and watches and wearables. But you'll notice that every time we go to something smaller, we're not ditching the thing before. What is your laptop without a server? Well, it turns out it's fairly useless, but this happens in all technology. We have freeways that allow main thoroughfares, that allow side streets, alleys, driveways, and garages, right? What you're gonna find is that every single time we can make something smaller to fit into your home, there's gonna be that next piece of technology that's not yet cheap enough or small enough to put into your home. So at Ford, we want to have the healthcare infrastructure across the whole chain. We wanna have things in your neighborhood. We wanna have things in your home. We want, we we want to have things on your body or even one day in your body. We think that healthcare needs to be everywhere for it to be truly, truly proactive. Hot dang, y'all. Like, I, I don't know if anyone else just wants to talk to Adrian for like five more hours or if it's just me. This is so insightful, so entertaining, but we can't keep you forever. So Adrian, as we wrap here, we've talked about literally so much. We've talked about what's wrong with healthcare. We've talked about the downsides maybe or potential downsides of using too much AI and data collection. We've talked about disparities in, in healthcare, you know, here in the US and everywhere else. But um, as we wrap up, what is maybe the one takeaway message that you want people, that you want to stick with people if you've piqued their attention on how we maybe should be turning healthcare from a service to a product? So the one thing that I think all of us can do is just stop accepting crap. It's almost like we've got Stockholm syndrome. Like healthcare today is 20% of GDP. But when you hear that, that's like an amorphous concept. So let me just make it really, really simple. It's 20% of your fucking paycheck, right? Somebody take literally takes one out of every $5 out of your pocket and gives it to the healthcare system. And what do you get for it? Well, most studies, there was this really famous Oregon study where the state of Oregon said, you know what? We don't have enough money to give everybody healthcare. We're only going to randomly give it to half our people. And then they looked at the outcomes 20 years later and they said, okay, who lived longer? Well, it turns out there was no difference, literally no difference. So what you're telling me is you're taking 20% of my fucking paycheck and you're giving me nothing for it. That's the healthcare system that we have today. Accepting it, start feel demanding something that is a hundred times better or a thousand times better. If we start demanding that, we might actually pave the way for people to go build it. I love this. Moving healthcare forward, aptly named company. Uh, this conversation was amazing. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much for joining the Everyday AI Show. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. And hey, as a reminder, if this was helpful, please consider sharing this with your network. Tell them if you agree with what Adrian's saying, if healthcare you think is broken, if you think AI needs a bigger place, please share this. And also, please go to our website at youreverydayai.com and join us tomorrow as we talk about the ethical consideration of AI and strategic innovation. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you back tomorrow and every day for more Everyday AI. Thanks, y'all. And that's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.